3: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home. But just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. Divorce. Maybe it's time. Bef- before you reject that, just hang on. Maybe it's time. Plus, Mr. Potato Head and Senator Mike Lee tonight. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. Divorce is hard. Now, I've never personally gone through it by the grace of God. I'm sure several of you have. But have you ever seen somebody go through one and thought to yourself, wow, that looks like fun? No, it's hard. But sometimes, can't we all just acknowledge, probably for the best? Couples go their separate ways, become different people. He wants to stay home, have a suburban house, raise the kids in rural America. She wants to travel the globe and do heroin with a rock band. Probably shouldn't be together anymore, right? Divorce is hard, but but, but look. Sometimes, maybe the way you should go. And I'm, I'm, of course, not talking about you and your relationship. Please don't, don't, don't get a divorce on my behalf. I'm, I'm doing a really ham-fisted analogy of where we are as a country right now. Why don't we just get a divorce? And here's what I mean. A nation only becomes a nation if the people within that nation share common values and decide Let's come together. Look, you, you believe in this, and I believe in this. And no, we're not the same person or whatever, but we all kind of believe the same stuff. Why don't we come together, then we're safer as a nation, then we have more economic prosperity as a nation. We trade with each other. It's just better. That's why we become a nation. You don't even have to think about it country-wise. A tribe. Think about any indigenous tribe, whatever indigenous people you're a fan of. That's why they become a tribe. Common values, live together. We have safety in numbers, economic prosperity in numbers. We're not going to starve to death, freeze to death in the winter. Come together, right? That's the only reason to become a nation. If you don't have anything in common, if there's nothing that binds you together, why are you together? You're not a nation anymore. You don't have safety anymore because you're each at each other's throats all the time. So why are you doing it? It was probably three, four years ago, maybe, when I first brought up the concept of national divorce, about America needing a national divorce, not some bloody civil war thing. Ew, that's what I'm trying to avoid. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But when I brought it up, I said, look. We just don't share anything in common anymore. Uh, Take a a bunch of liberals from New York City versus a family living virtually anywhere in rural America. What common values do they share now? Uh, And don't do the thing I know you're probably trying to do, trying to save the country. Well, uh, my grandpa was a Democrat. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about your grandpa's Democratic Party. I'm not even talking about Bill Clinton's Democratic Party. These nut jobs today. What values do you share with them? Anything. Name me one. Anything. There's not anything. So why are we doing this? If we force ourselves to live together like this, somebody's going to get hurt. And as big of a jerk and heartless sociopath as I am, I don't want to see a single person get hurt. Not on their side, not on our side. I want everybody to just live peacefully. We cannot possibly live peacefully if we feel this differently about everything. It's not humanly possible. A nation doesn't provide safety anymore. Now it provides exactly the opposite. Now it's a cage. We've thrown each other in a cage, and it's a guarantee we're going to fight. How different are we? Nothing lays it out better than this poll that came out yesterday. There were questions to Republicans and Democrats, what you care about, how you feel about this, so on and so forth. This was to the Republicans. How concerned are you that the following are a problem for the country? The top three answers for Republicans. Illegal immigration, lack of support for police, and high taxes. This is, you know, GOP people, people like you and I, even if, look, even if you're not GOP, even if you're just anti-communist like I am, care about tangible things that matter, right? Illegal immigration, taxes, so on and so forth. Okay, setting that aside, let's, let's not just puff our own selves up and brag, That oh, we're the ones who care about things. What do the Democrats care about? They asked the Democrats, what do they care about? Top three, top three, white nationalism, or I'm sorry, the top one was Trump supporters, white nationalism, and systemic racism. Tell me, how are we coming together? What are we going to come together on? they don't care about taxes. They want them higher. They don't care about illegal immigration. They're currently flooding the border with more of them. I I don't really believe that Trump supporters are a problem at all. They're some of the most salt of the earth people I've ever met in my life. Uh, white nationalism is certainly not a major issue in this country. I'm sure there are little pockets of it. I've never seen it. And systemic racism is a complete lie. So What are we going to come together on? There's no putting this band back together. When I first started talking about this, I had so many people on my side and their side screaming at me, oh, you're terrible, you're stupid, you want to break up the country. I don't get as many of those emails anymore. People are starting to realize there's no coming together. I want you to watch Senator Rand Paul today. I want you to watch him interrogate this guy. And you tell me, How are these two sides coming together? Because you'll very quickly realize which side you're on, you probably already know, and which side they're on.
4: Why are we living together? Do you support the government intervening to override the parents' consent to give a child puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia? You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught, you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. You know, if you've ever been around children, 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the ages of 3 and 10. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a 3-year-old about changing their sex.
2: I'm waiting. I'm, I'm all ears. How are you going to come together with that? Do you... You ready for this? Do we even want to come together with that? I will be frank with you. As you know, I always am. And I'm blessed to work for the first they let me say whatever I want. I don't want to come together with that. I don't have any desire to, and I don't feel bad about it. If you are the type of person who believes that a child should be allowed to, without their parents' permission, mutilate their own bodies and try to change their gender, I don't want to live with you. Look, I pray you come around, wake up one day. It's not that I think you're the Antichrist or something like that, but I don't want to live in the same country with you. I don't share. I don't need to know anything else. I don't share anything in common with you. I want you to stay way over there, and I'll stay over here, and we'll all just go about living our lives. And look, you can call that mean. That's fine. I don't want to live with you. Period. I don't want to live in a country where a child's toy like Mr. Potato Head can't have a gender anymore. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is from the AP. Quote, Mr. Potato Head is no longer a mister. Hasbro, the company that makes the potato-shaped plastic toy, is giving the spud a gender-neutral new name, Potato Head. The change will appear on boxes this year. It's obviously not about potato head. I'm not highly invested in potato head, but I want you to understand something. The statistics that are coming out now about the amount of children, the number, the staggering number of children in America who believe they want to change their gender, slice themselves up, is shocking. And it's going up. And why is it going up? Because culture matters. Culture matters a lot, and they're constantly kids who are extremely influenced. Look, adults are too, but kids are easily influenced. They're drowning in this crap all day long it's in their toys it's in their music it's in their movies it's in their sitcoms oh yeah change your gender change your gender. oh you woke up today don't like being a boy change your gender change your gender this matters what your eyes see and your ears hear your mind believes and this culture is so rotting and disgusting filth we are filling up the minds of these kids with stuff that will destroy the rest of their lives and i don't want to live with you I don't want to be there with you. You want to journey down that road to insanity? Brother, have a nice trip. I'll fill up the tank with gas for you on the way. But I'm not coming along. I'm not coming along. And nobody's helping. Nobody at the higher end of the Democratic Party, which really is running this thing and enabling it every step of the way, none of them are helping calm things down. None of them are helping. Everything is racist and sexist and transphobic and you can't have this and can't have that. Obama, of course, with the, still got the biggest platform of anybody in the Democratic Party. Now Obama's out there talking about reparations. I don't know if anything in this country would finish tearing us to bits more than trying to punish white people for something other white people did to other black people. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And the leader of the Democratic Party, in my opinion, he's out there saying this stuff. What I saw
5: during my presidency was that... The politics of white resistance and resentment, the talk of welfare queens and the talk of the undeserving poor and the backlash against affirmative action, all that made the prospect of actually proposing any kind of coherent, meaningful reparations program struck me as politically not only a non-starter but potentially counterproductive and it's perfectly understandable why working class white folks middle class white folks folks who are having trouble paying the bills or dealing with student loans or you know don't have health care where they feel like government has let them down wouldn't be thrilled with the idea of a massive program that is designed to deal with the past but isn't speaking to their future
2: don't you hate how he talks i'm sorry i don't want to get off on a tangent but always so calculating and slow as he tries to figure out every single word he says who talks like that gosh drives me crazy oh but don't worry don't worry it's just where do you send your kid seven eight hours a day the government schools here's what you're sending them to if you don't believe that there's white privilege please don't teach if you don't believe that black lives matter
6: please don't teach If you don't believe in systemic racism and how it negatively impacts
2: our students of color and don't want to help dismantle those systems, please don't teach. Get your kids out of government schools. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have to do something about this insanity. That's the thing, we can't just talk about it all the time. We have to do something to stop this insanity. We have to start taking back this government. I know what you're thinking. Well, how do I find them? What do I do? Mammoth Nation has already found them. And they're finding more every day. You become a member of Mammoth Nation. Your money goes to these candidates. But it's better than that. You get something for it. You get discounts. You get discounts on all the places you love, all the things you love. That's what happens to you. Traveling, uh, hotels, telehealth. You get a laundry list of discounts for your money. Go become a member of Mammoth Nation. I'm a lifetime member. That's how much I believe in this. Go to mammothnation.com slash jesse. That's mammothnation.com slash
4: jesse. We'll be back.
2: There's so much weird stuff going on right now in the world. And I wonder if it's always been this way where there's such an obvious truth in front of everybody, but everyone's kind of avoiding it or just just pretending like it doesn't exist. We have this weird thing with China right now, not to get off on a tangent, but everybody remembers this came from China, right? And China shut down interior air travel and allowed travel to the rest of the world when they knew they had a virus. And everyone's just kind of stopped talking about it. They're still investigating the origins of coronavirus. It's this weird thing. And Joe Biden is another weird thing. The leader of the free world, the president of the United States of America, is not mentally capable of doing the job. And everyone knows it. You notice how you never see him? I mean, everything conservatives were saying, everything people on the right were saying leading up to the election about how he doesn't have the mental faculties. They're just going to hide him the whole time. It's all true. You see him like once every two or three days. Pops up, one speech, gone. Back to putting logs on the fire for old Joe. And everyone knows. Even Democrats know. We have now a letter from a lot of Democrats on the House suggesting taking away the nuclear codes from Joe Biden. Quote, Vesting one person with this authority entails real risks. Past presidents have threatened to attack other countries with nuclear weapons or exhibit behavior that caused other officials to express concern about the president's judgments. And look, hard not to agree with them, right? I mean, at this point, never did I think it was a problem before. But we do have, in this country... We have enough nuclear weapons to destroy the world several times over. The man who can launch these nuclear weapons, he doesn't know where he is sometimes. Is that weird for anybody? Don't you find this to be so odd? And how we're all doing this thing like we pretend he's going to last four years. Aha, oh, Joe Biden's president. He'll be gone soon and everybody knows it. I find it to be the weirdest thing in the world, and we're all stuck in this reality. And look, he's lucky. He's dang lucky coronavirus is out there because it lets him hide a lot more. This is from a Biden aide. This is from the Guardian. A senior advisor to Democrat Joe Biden in his campaign for president believed, quote, COVID is the best thing that ever happened to him, a new book reports. It was, the author's add a necessary private comment that campaign officials believed but, but would never say in public as the U.S. reeled from the impact of the pandemic amid hospitals stretched to the breaking and with deaths mounting and the economy falling off a cliff. This is not exactly news. Everybody with eyes and ears could see what the Democrats did with coronavirus. They quickly recognized it was the perfect avenue to do a couple different things. One, wreck the one thing that was going to guarantee Donald Trump's reelection, the economy, and two, it allows you to hide Joe Biden. It's so easy to hide Joe Biden behind coronavirus. Why isn't he traveling all over the place? Remember, Trump was everywhere. Dude worked like 20 hours a day. He was everywhere. He was in California, and then the, by the afternoon, he's in Florida, and he's back in DC. He's just always all over. Joe Biden, oh, well, we can't do that. Uh, uh, coronavirus. Definitely coronavirus. It gave. It was the ultimate out for Democrats. And I don't want to keep harping on this, but I'm going to. Remember this. Talked about this yesterday. Coronavirus doesn't ramp up like that. The lockdowns, the economic destruction, the mental health destruction, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, all everything, all the fallout with it, the schools, everything. None of that happens. If Republicans, if Republicans resist the initial lockdown panic, none of it happens. If Republicans hold the line, none of this happens. But they didn't. They didn't. Now, quickly, this Andrew Cuomo thing, we've been talking about this. It is not slowing down. It's picking up steam. It is picking up steam because Andrew Cuomo at one point, Remember they were talking about him running for president before Joe Biden was the shoe in Because of how he handled coronavirus. He did such a good job. This is our new guy. He was doing interviews on CNN with his brother. You're going to run? Everybody wants you to run. He was the bell of the ball there for about, oh, 15 minutes. And now, not so much anymore. He is in this horrible scandal. And now it's piling on. This is from Lindsey Boylan. Uh, She is accusing Cuomo, that she has an article out that said, My story of working with Governor Cuomo, sub-headline, Let's Play Strip Poker. Yes, that's right. Cuomo is now mired in a sexual harassment scandal from somebody who used to work for him. Here's this doozy. Quote, he made unflattering comments about the weight of female colleagues. He ridiculed them about their romantic relationships and significant others. He said the reason men get women were money and power. Quote, we were in his New York office on the Third Avenue, as I, on, on Third Avenue, as I got up to leave and walked toward an open door. He stepped in front of me and kissed me on the lips. I was in shock, but I kept walking. Well, that's weird because, man, this Andrew Cuomo seemed really upset about that sort of behavior. There is a disrespect for women
3: that this administration chronically uh, exemplifies after the Me Too movement they did absolutely nothing when it came to sexual harassment Uh, they have always diminished the charges of women always, consistently and they're doing it again to cheapen or ridicule The pain a woman suffers from
2: a sexual attack. Mm mm -mm. That's weird. That was from 2018. Almost like it's a different guy now. This is... Look, I don't know how much of this stuff is real, how much of it's not real. I don't know. You never know with these things, but I know this. Like I've told you before, Andrew Cuomo made somebody very high up on the Democratic food chain very, very, very angry because the wolves are coming for him now. Now... Don't get burned. Look, I'll tell you the experience I had. Open up my email one day. Hmm. That's weird. That looks like my home title in my email inbox. Wait. That's my signature on it. And my wife's on it. That's right. They hacked into my home title. I found out later it took them less than 10 minutes. They will hack into your home title. It's easy. Your home title's online. If they get it. They're going to take it to a lending institution, take a loan out against it, and they are going to leave town with the cash. You are going to be stuck with a massive bill. Don't get burned like that. Your home insurance, I can't can't stress this enough, your home insurance is not going to pay it. You are going to pay it. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up today. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO that gets you 30 free days of protection. We'll be back. As you know, I can be relatively hard on elected GOP officials, and that's because most of them suck. But when we get one of the good ones on, we are proud to introduce them to you. And one of the few good ones that I like in Washington, D.C., is joining me now, Senator Mike Lee, a man outnumbered out there in Washington, D.C. Senator, first of all, what is the One Agency Act bill?
3: It's... Pure awesomeness is what it is. The whole idea behind this is to take our two-headed monster antitrust enforcement uh, personnel and, and put it into a single body. In other words, consolidate antitrust enforcement authority into the US Department of Justice. We have, um, for you know, going on a century now, relied on um, two completely different tracks for enforcing antitrust law. You've got the uh, Federal Trade Commission and you've got the Department of Justice. It's created a problem because in many instances, um, who enforces the laws may be determined by something as arbitrary and capricious as a coin toss. It, this too has just re- resulted in a lack of focus and a duplication of efforts that creates other problems. So the One Agency Act is all about bringing this all back in under one House, which is where it should be.
2: Do you think there's a chance you could actually get some Democrat backing for this? Because that sounds like the kind of thing. I mean, there's not a whole lot that that joins us together anymore. I talk about that all the time. But that sounds like the kind of thing I I would assume even Democrats can get behind.
3: It should be. And and I'll tell you, uh, there's nothing distinctively Republican or Democratic about this. It's not distinctively Uh, liberal or conservative. And in fact, the Democrats should like this effort. for the simple reason that they're in power right now, and and if what they want is um, more accountability within um, antitrust enforcement agencies, then they ought to want it to be in one agency rather than two. Remember the attorney general of the United States is a presidential appointee. And after being confirmed by the United States Senate, still serves at the pleasure of the president. So at any given moment, the president has the power to fire that person and uh, the other individuals who work under that person. Democrats should like that. They shouldn't fear it.
2: Senator, what role should the GOP play now? I'm talking specifically about GOP senators when it comes to Joe Biden's nominees. On one hand, as predicted, they're as radical as radical can be. On the other, we lost, and there's a certain amount of just having to sit there and eat that crap sandwich. What should the GOP do? Stop them all, let them all through and say, screw it. What's the appropriate role?
3: It requires a careful balancing test. You've got to draw a a lot of lines in there. And um, as one of my law professors, Fred Gedix once put it, when you're in that kind of position where you have to make a judgment call, you draw the line at seven. Now, where the line seven is, is up to individual interpretation. That's what makes it tough, but um, in my case, I try to look uh, at each Biden administration nominee, uh, requires Senate confirmation, not necessarily on the basis of whether I would have chosen them or whether I would have recommended them to a Republican president if we had a Republican president in office, but rather uh, as compared to who else we might get. Uh, and and um, in some cases that results in me voting to confirm a nominee and others, it results in uh, a no vote. Uh,
2: right now, people are worried about illegal immigration on the right. They're worried about gun control on the right. They're worried about high taxes on the right. We have some poll coming out showing Democrats are just on a different planet as far as the things they're worried about. They're worried about white nationalism and systemic racism. And their top issue, actually, they're worried about Donald Trump supporters. Senator, how do we merge these two worlds? We're living together right now. It's not a happy marriage. How are we supposed to merge worlds that are that different now?
3: You know, that one really is hard, Jesse. It's very difficult when you've got a group of people, um, and if they fall into roughly one of two camps, and if the first group says X, not Y, is what we want, and the other says Y, not X, is what we want, then you've got a problem. It works much better when people can find ways to um, disagree without being disagreeable. And one of the ways that we do that is by shifting the focus of the decision-making authority. We can't do that with respect to every government decision. There are some areas, including immigration for one, where we constitutionally speaking and as a practical matter, we need a national policy. I mean, this is one of the things that's given to Congress, it's rendered federal by the constitution. But there are a lot of others, most other areas, most aspects of government need not be decided at the federal level. It's not to say that we're gonna resolve every dispute about what the purpose of government is or what government policies ought to be like, but if we can diffuse it a little bit by sending back to the 50 states the authority to make most other government decisions. For example, um, healthcare, it's a fairly contentious issue. Most of the people in Vermont would much prefer to have a single payer government run, government funded healthcare system. It's one of the reasons I'm never gonna live in Vermont, uh, you know, notwithstanding the fact that they've got Ben and Jerry's ice cream uh, uh, from that state. In Utah, we would have a different... Vermont could get to single payer a lot faster, a lot more efficiently. It'd still be a bad choice in my view, but it's up to Vermonters if they wanna do that. They could get there faster and more efficiently if we didn't have such a huge federal footprint in the field of healthcare. And I think that can be a model for what we ought to do in all sorts of areas, including in areas that uh, deal with everything from labor, manufacturing, agriculture, mining, most public education, K through 12. Uh, all of these things are areas where the federal government has stepped in, but where it probably shouldn't. It certainly need not, and I, I believe ought not. Yeah.
2: Well, the federal government has very few rules in the Constitution, very few rules, I should say, in the Constitution. One of them is foreign policy, though. Donald Trump's more, I don't even know if you want to call it isolationist, less of a massive footprint everywhere foreign policy was one I was a huge fan of. I I didn't like all that go everywhere all the time and stay forever type thing. My question, though, is most of America actually left and right agrees with me and agrees with that, that kind of foreign policy. Yet our foreign policy never seems to actually change. Why this gulf between the people who set the policy and the rest of the country? It's probably the most uniting issue we have.
3: It, it really is. And I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Trump, in fact, was the most peace-loving president in in our lifetimes. Um, and um, I think most Americans were with him on those issues. He pulled us out of wars. He uh, ramped down uh, efforts on existing wars and kept us out of new ones. And most Americans agree with him on that. Uh, the short answer to your question is, I think it's the military-industrial complex. I think people, when they get to Washington, D.C., uh, after they've been here uh, for uh, a period of years, sometimes the division not it becomes not just about left versus right, Republican versus Democrat, but Washington, D.C. against everyone else. And, and I really do think the the military-industrial complex is a thing. It's uh, sunk its fangs deeply into both political parties. And the American people have been paying for it for generations. Not just um, not just with treasure, but with American blood. And that's tragic.
2: That is tragic. What's a childhood tax credit? I, I know there's a the, deal out there right now with you and Marco Rubio. And I'm shocked how many people I talk to don't even understand what that is. Will you please explain it for those of us who don't know?
3: Yeah, the child tax credit is there um, to ease somewhat the tax implications of raising children. The purpose of the Lee Rubio plan, which is depicted in a really awesome two-minute animated video that I just put out on my website at lee.senate.gov. But the Lee Rubio plan would uh, address a very critical feature uh, known as the parent tax penalty. Oh, I see it up on the screen now. That's fantastic that you've got that. Um, Because of the way our federal income tax system interacts with our senior entitlement programs, uh, Medicare and Social Security primarily. Um, American parents end up paying more into the system in order to preserve those very same programs. The child tax credit being increased along the lines of what we propose in the Lee Rubio plan would diminish significantly the chokehold that the parent tax penalty has on American families.
2: I hope you run for president someday. Senator Mike Lee, Utah, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you.
3: Thanks so much. Great to busy with you.
2: Look, we don't have many good ones. We got to hang on to the good ones we have for dear life. All right, we're not done yet. We'll be back. Well, it's going to... me to do what I'm about to do, and that's to give my next guest some compliments before we have a big old argument about cheeseburgers. But we talk all the time about patriots and patriotism and standing up for what's right on this show. The people out there risking it, taking real risks to do that, those are the people who deserve your respect. My next guest, Chef Andrew Gruul, he's the owner of Slapfish, which I would highly recommend if you're out in California, but he's also a lot more than that. He defied Governor Newsom's orders. This is the guy, he's got a GoFundMe out there, which I highly recommend you support to help struggling restaurant workers who have been just slaughtered by these government regulations. Chef, why, I mean, look, you're a chef. Why come out and just take on the government? What's wrong with you?
6: I mean, there's something wrong with me, that's for sure, that's for sure. If you go through my DMs right now, that's the one consistent (laughs) theme is that there's something wrong with me.
2: there is Uh, tell me about first of all describe for people who don't know describe what you did to defy Newsom, and then describe what pushback you've gotten
6: well first he banned you know dining overall then he opened it then he closed it then he opened it and then he banned outdoor dining now what we'd heard the whole entire time was that outdoor dining was the safest option being outdoors months and months of millions of people marching outdoors and that was all good right and that's positive news if that's the case but then going into, you know, November, into December, he bans outdoor dining, which totally decimates the restaurant industry in California. And we just said, screw it. I mean, we're not we're not going to abide by this. You've overstepped your boundaries. And based upon the very science that you preach every single day, we are going to follow that science and remain open.
2: Chef, I don't understand. I mean, you own a restaurant. Aren't all restaurant owners filthy rich and can just close for months at a time? What's your problem?
6: I know. I don't understand either. And that seems to be what people are saying about me is, is that you own all these restaurants. I mean, look, owning multiple restaurants just means you're compounding loss. The, the average margin for the restaurants that are successful are 2 to 3%, right? So... You know he's ripped out everybody's revenue stream here in california and if you know if you saw what came out recently california is the worst right now when it comes to deaths and cases overall so all of this mismanagement is now apparent in the numbers
2: okay Uh, i know you you restaurant guys stick together every restaurant owner i know and i seem to know a a million of them they all have buddies who are other restaurant owners Are you getting backing from other restaurant owners being like, hey, I love what you're doing, we're with you? Or are you out there fighting alone?
6: Um, I'm getting silent backing, right? So everybody's like, we're with you, this is amazing. I mean, hundreds of messages, but unfortunately we just can't do it ourselves.
2: Are you getting any blowback from the government themselves? Are you getting people knocking on your door?
6: Yeah, so I'm gonna go public about this at some point here, but consider this that. So five days after I went on my Newsom tirade, I got served by the Labor Labor Commissioner on like 15 different businesses, some of which I have no part in. My wife got served, I did. Total blanket investigation using the bureaucracy in terms in in an effort to completely bankrupt me with red tape. We've spent over $50,000 now in legal fees trying to fight this, and still to this day, they will not give us a reason why they're investigating anything even on businesses that have no employees they've deputized the commissions right the labor commissioner the health department you name it and we're right now up against it big time
2: bill gates says we should all eat synthetic meat there's a video out there of him uh drinking poop water i'm not making that up everybody i'm not even trying to be gross uh what do you think about synthetic meat chef because that doesn't sound very good to me at all
6: No, I mean, there's so many other ways that we can actually raise protein in a sustainable, healthy environment where it's the actual protein. Uh, Aquaculture, right? I mean, I talk about that all the time. We're growing right now like 600 fish on the side of a local high school football field while simultaneously growing vegetables and romaine lettuces. You know, synthetic meats, all that it is is it's effectively Silicon Valley's answer to anything where they're just trying to generate more money, build more value. I mean, Memphis Meats, the company that originally tried to create the synthetic meatball and grow it in a lab, it it would cost upwards of like $20,000 for one meatball. I mean, it's not financially feasible,
2: but it's just another ruse. Chef, I have stated on several occasions that I make the greatest cheeseburger in the world. You have a problem with my cheeseburger. I would like to give you this opportunity. Please, you have the floor. Call me out for my white trash cheeseburger that tastes delicious.
6: No, look, you know, I mean, I'm ribbing online. I think your cheeseburger looks mediocre, and I think that's a huge compliment for me. Um, you know, you just got to toast the buns. You got to toast the buns a little bit better, or those juices are going to drip right through there. And you got to get more mayo in it.
2: Okay. All right. You know what? I'm not going to push back on you on mayo, but why do I have to have a toasted bun? I'm not anti-toasted bun. I won't be painted that way, but sometimes the bun just, you want it to be soft all the way through. What's wrong with that? Gosh, look at that. By the way, everybody, this food you're seeing on there, that's actually food this guy makes. I'm not kidding. You got to go eat at his restaurant. What, why do I have to have a toasted bun though?
6: Well, you think about the architecture, right? You need that foundation, Okay, so that the sauces actually remain inside the dining vessel that's between your two hands. And uh, okay. if you're having a slider, don't toast the bun. It's one bite. It's in and out, right? It's like it's wet. That's fine. Use it as a napkin. But I'm telling you, toasting the bun. And if you're doing a grilled cheese, toast the bun on both sides as well.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa! You just blew some minds right there. So are you telling me I have to toast it, then put the cheese in, put the toasted pieces together, and then toast it? The- are you serious? Well, if you think about it,
6: right, the best thing about a grilled cheese is that beautiful, buttery exterior. You've got a whole, yes. you know, equal amount of surface area on the inside, so you can double that flavor, right? Why not double the flavor? Double mint gum style.
2: I love it. Chef, obviously you're successful. Everybody and their brother talks about wanting to own a restaurant. You've already pointed out the 2 to 3% profit margins of the restaurants. But look, restaurants are cool. Everybody loves them. Who doesn't want to own a restaurant and be the food guy? After the pandemic, let's set aside the pandemic stuff for now. What's some advice you can give to a young entrepreneur who's not just gabbing at a party, genuinely wants to start a restaurant? What would you tell them to avoid or make sure they do? Well, keep it simple. We've
6: overcomplicated the entire restaurant industry. And if you look at those restaurants that have made it through decade after decade after decade, they focus on one thing, maybe two or three sides but really one thing right so you're hole in the wall burger joint your hot dog joint your fried chicken joint whatever it is don't over complicate it fine dining don't do fine dining unless you've got millions of dollars backing you pick one thing do it really really well and focus in on that and from day one you got to focus on making money you see private equity has totally killed the restaurant industry because they just trade debt and they make people think that you can build a significant amount of value without profit that's not the case
2: Okay, I've always wondered this. Why doesn't everybody start a steakhouse? It looks so fancy, and the drink costs $900. Don't, don't you make a lot more money with a steakhouse?
6: You make a lot of revenue with a steakhouse. But Once again, as I mentioned before, if you're losing money, the higher amount of revenue, the higher amount of debt. And in a steakhouse, the reason why those prices are so high is because the cost of real estate is also so high, and the cost of actually building the restaurant out. You need a lot of high-quality equipment to do so. You know, right? You can cook a burger off the back of a Cadillac if you want, so why not do that?
2: There's talk about this recall of Gavin Newsom actually being something that's a possibility. You are a California guy. Do you have any update for us? Are they actually going to take this guy down? How does this work?
6: Yeah, it's definitely going to go to measure. Um, So it's going to go to vote. they'll They'll certainly have enough signatures. Now, the question is, are we going to get enough votes to actually recall Newsom? People don't realize that while the headlines about him screwing up left and right go viral so quickly, he has a cult following within the bureaucracy of California. So there is enough people within the system that are going to dodge and weave and try and create a scenario where it's virtually impossible for him to actually get voted out. So that's, you know, I, I hate to be pessimistic, but that's the reality of the situation. Why would you do this GoFundMe for restaurant workers? It's not just restaurant workers. I mean, it's the restaurant tours as well. It's the whole entire ecosystem. We're always there for everybody, including and most importantly, the politicians. Right? How many deals have been struck over a three martini lunch? But now, when it comes time for us to get a little bit of help, even if it's as simple as just unemployment benefits, they're gone. Um, You know, we've got people, it started in December and I was getting call after call after call about people who needed funds just to be able to put Christmas gifts under the tree or put food on the table. It was an either or, uh, after they got their jobs ripped out from underneath them. So we put this together and said, look, if the government's not gonna do it, we'll be efficient, we'll step up. Every single penny is being distributed and we're even trying to match as much as we can throughout this fund as well. It's efficient, it's real, it's authentic. None of this
2: bureaucracy, it's a way to do it. Amen. Chef Andrew Gruel, I wish you the best, man. I'll be eating at Slapfish when I get out there. Thank you so much. It's an honor. I appreciate it. It's a good dude right there, putting his money where his mouth is. And daggone, he does have some good-looking food. You know you can watch the first anywhere, right? Anywhere, anytime. As long as you got that right there. Or a tablet. You can even get it on your Spart TV. Yes, there's an app. Go to thefirsttv.com slash watch. That's thefirsttv.com slash watch. You see all of us, you can get all of us anytime you want. We'll be back. It is enjoyable when people are rude and kind of get what's coming to them. This video has been circling around online. I had to bring it to you. I will, I will say full disclosure, I'm not 100% sure this isn't staged. I'm cynical by nature because it looks so bad for this woman. Nevertheless, here it is. Leave
1: me but, alone. Why do you keep following me? It's honestly so uh, creepy, and I'm going to call the cops. Ma'am, okay? no, no, no. Because you guys aren't leaving me alone, and that's why women yeah, can we- go out in the world by themselves because of <laughs> the guys like you. <laughs> what? Okay? So stop
4: following you, me. You have? Oh like, you I, don't, I don't know if you have, like, a like gas problem. You have a thing hanging out of your car. There's a literally a gas hose hanging out of your car. No one's being creepy. Oh. No, thank you, I guess. Thank you. Uh, there's a thank you. That's uh, oh, she's what? She's taking it, taking it with her. Uh, <laughs> thank you to get all of it. <laughs> wow, dude. <Nice>. <laughs> Did <laughs> you <laughs> didn't even close the gas, cap.
3: She's out of here.
2: Always be nice.
6: On the Jordan Harbinger show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger show with Jack Garcia, who did just that.
3: My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working on the cover I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finished the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us.
6: For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Sick of being upsold at gyms?